center Chase Rulier released over the weekend, what it means and what's next. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. So please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you always get the latest episodes when they become available. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the commanders for commander country, a part of sports illustrated's fan nation. You can find me there here or on Twitter at D Harrison 82 or text me anytime at 202-760-2644. Thanks again for making lockdown commanders your first listen or view today and every day. And a special thank you to all the everydayers joining out, joining us here. Episode one of this week, four more to come. Of course, this week, like we do every week, which phase of team building are the Washington Commanders in and why? Plus some expansion on Washington's decision to not exercise Chase Young's fifth year option. But first, we have to talk about the news from over the weekend and the release of center Chase Rulier. Chase Rulier released by the team on Friday with a post June 1st designation. So obviously, this means first and foremost, Chase Rulier's time uh, with the Washington Commanders is unfortunately up. Uh, last season, you know, trying to come back from that season-ending injury the year before was looking good, was doing well, and then unfortunately uh, very early on lost again for the season. And the writing has just kind of been on the wall. This is this is one of the releases we talked last week at the end of the week about some potential free agent options that the Washington Commanders could, could potentially bring in. Some of you liked some of the ideas I had. Some of you didn't like some of the ideas I had, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, there's potential free agents out there on the market that the Washington Commanders could still pursue uh, and decide to add to the roster before we get to training camp. And in order to do that, in order to sign the rookies and, and do all these other things, uh, unfortunately, we kind of knew that there were going to have to be some moves made. Some contracts could be restructured, sure, but also the potential for some players to be released. And with the arrival of Nick Gates from the New York Giants, who said very clearly in his introductory press conference with us that he expects to play center uh, here in Washington. And then with the selection of Ricky Stromberg, uh, the center out of Arkansas, who really doesn't translate a whole lot to guard or especially tackle, uh, you pretty much kind of saw that this was uh, unfortunately going to be the, the end result. So last year was my first year on ground with the commanders. Only got to meet Chase Roulier a handful of times, but every time I did, it was a great interaction. Uh, seems like a really genuine, just good person. Uh, really wish him the best, of course, just like a lot of you do out there and have been uh, expressing. But what does the release Chase Roulier mean for the Washington Commanders? And what does it mean with that post-June 1st designation? We've had a lot of salary cap conversations, a lot of roster conversations on this show. So this is kind of going to be uh, one of the next step in evolution of those conversations. Obviously, Washington now has one fewer center right on the roster. Uh, and that was a position that had a lot of turnover last year, a lot of rotation, call it the revolving door if you want to. Um, so now they have the two Nick Gates and, and Ricky Stromberg, but they also have Tyler Larson. Uh, and we'll see if they bring in anybody else's competition or a young guy to stash on the practice squad, what have you uh, here in, in the coming weeks. And of course, that's going to impact our depth chart projections uh, coming up, wrapping up film study on Ricky Stromberg, on Braden Daniels, uh, to bring in our offensive lineman draft picks film study and then update the uh, the depth chart as well here later on this week. So the move also saves Washington Commanders a little more than $8 million in 2023, 
while it does carry a little more than $4 million in dead cap money this year and next year. And that is the significance of the post-June 1st designation for the release. Under a post-June 1st designation release, a team can release a player now, essentially allowing that player the ability to leave, visit, and negotiate with other teams. And that's really where the benefit for the player is in this whole thing. But they don't have to take all of his contracts dead money this year because they'll officially keep his money on the books until June 2nd. As of June 2nd, his guarantees from this year only apply only apply to this year. And guarantees for next season and beyond, if there were more uh, years left in the contract, would then all accelerate to next year. Uh, and that dead weight number would hit next year's salary cap instead of this year's salary cap. If this was a pre-June 1st uh, release, then the life of Chase Roulier's guaranteed money would all accelerate to this year. But because the team is officially waiting until June 2nd uh, to make the move, only this year's guarantees are dead money this year. Every, every guaranteed dollar after this year accelerates to next year's salary cap, right? And in Chase Roulier's situation, that's only one year per year, right? He only had two years left on his contract anyway this year and next year. So basically, this year's guaranteed money will be dead this year. Next year's guaranteed money will be dead next year versus, again, pre-June 1st, uh, all of the dead money from this year and next year would have come due this year for salary cap purposes. So really only had the one next season left, so therefore that's how it worked. But let's say he had three years left. The Washington Commanders would have to accept the dead money this year after for a post-June 1st release. And then the two years left would accelerate all to next year's salary cap. So doing this, save the commanders an additional $4 million. That's where we get the $8 million because with a pre-June pre first release, uh, the dead cap number would have been a little more than $8 million. But essentially, because it's a post-June first, you get to split the difference half this year, uh, half next year, because that's how the contract is organized. However, that money also doesn't come off the books until June 2nd. So while from an accounting outlook, his contract is still on the books till then. So from my understanding of the rule, this means that this move alone won't give Washington enough room under their top 51 cap number that we talked about last week uh, to sign their rookies or to sign any significant new free agents because it doesn't affect the current cap uh, until June 2nd. But rookies can still attend mini camps uh, and OTAs prior to their contracts being official. They just can't report to training camp without their contracts done. So if you don't hear about the rookie deals getting done before this Friday, don't worry, don't panic. You know, it's it's okay because they are allowed to attend the rookie mini camp. They are allowed to attend the OTAs uh, that are coming up later in this month and uh, early June. They just can't report to training camp in July until their contracts are done. Again, this Chase Roulier money, the $8 million the commanders are saving, will go into effect June 2nd. So, you know, the commanders will probably tie up some rookie contracts between now and then. Or if they have a veteran that they're trying to bring in before OTAs, they might go that route. And then once the Chase Roulier money comes available, then they'll tie up the rest of those loose ends uh, to keep those to get those players ready uh, for training camp. So not a fully pressing issue, just something that, you know, as you're getting ready for the rookie minicamp this weekend, you probably would want to hear some rookie signings, rookie contracts getting agreed to. And I totally get that personally. I'd love to have all those contracts done. You know, if you're going to be in the facility, you're going to be working. I want you getting paid. Uh, you know, but that's just unfortunately not how it works out uh, all, you know, all the time. Now, there are still, of course, other moves that the commanders can make between now and even rookie camp or the OTAs or before Chase Roulier's uh, cap money comes available uh, to, to do this thing. 
as we discussed last week, uh, the team could do a simple restructure with Jonathan Allen and free up about $10 million. They could do a restructure with Charles Leno, free up about $5 million, or even Logan Thomas and free up about $3 million. Uh, of course, that's, you know, uh, things that they could do. So uh, thanks and appreciation has been pouring in for Chase Roulier since the news uh, was 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 broken that he was going to officially be released again. Something that we kind of expected, but just, you know, once it was officially official or happening, uh, that, you know, that thanks and appreciation for what Chase has been, not just for the team, but also in the community. I saw the hog farmers uh, sending out a lot of thanks and and some things for for his impact in the community uh, and Roulier's community act. So obviously uh, the Washington, not just losing a player, but also losing a very, a very upstanding human being. We certainly wish him the best moving forward. Uh, if you want to drop any thanks or thoughts that you have about Chase Roulier in the comment section, I am going to send uh, that this this show link to his agent so that you know he can see uh, your guys' kind words and and words of well wishes. Because again, I, I haven't seen a single Commanders fan yet who is just you know good riddance, which is it's great because these are human beings that shouldn't be. The mantra. So again, if you want to say something to Chase, if you want to send a message to to Chase Roulier, his family, thanks for his play, thanks for anything. Uh, go ahead, drop him in the comment section. I will be again sending this link to his agent so that he can see your guys' comments uh, at a later date. Speaking of moving forward, though, Chase Young is entering 2023, looking to prove he's worth a new contract. But it turns out the good he already did might have hurt him a little bit. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and the calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. So amazing that you're not going to realize it's good for you. They're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. The bars taste like candy bars, but they contain amazing macros with only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, while packing 17 grams of protein. And the best part is you can get them at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or right to your door through Built.com. Head to your nearest Walmart today, go to the pharmacy section, and you'll find four bar boxes of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, Head on in there and get a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. And, of course, make sure you go to Built.com to get in on the return of the peanut butter bar. That's Built.com, Built Bar, Built Different. You got to try this. Thanks again for making Locked Talk Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. Every day as we've got a live mailbag coming on Tuesday afternoon. So drop your questions in the live chat or in the comment section, email, Twitter, however you want to get it to me, and we will get to as many as we can on Tuesday. Washington declined Chase Young's fifth-year option, and now the entire league has turned in their option decisions from the 2020 first round of the NFL draft, and everyone is taking stock because this year was a particularly bad year for fifth-year options. Speaking on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino discussed, among others, Washington's decision to decline Chase Young's fifth year option. If you want to go check out their comments, their episode, they started from the top of the draft with the declined options. Chase Young, the number two overall pick, was the first player that they discussed because he's the top drafted player who had his option declined as the Cincinnati Bengals decided to pick up Joe Burrow's fifth year option uh, for a very good reason. Now, 
Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, again, locked on NFL scouting with the draft dudes, brought up something very interesting that I kind of want to expand on here because Kyle brought up the idea that Chase Young making the Pro Bowl in his rookie season actually killed any chance of him getting his option picked up this year in the first place. So we talked about this in the lead up to the decision that was being made by the Washington Commanders, right? That Chase Young, because of his rookie season, defense rookie of the year campaign, Pro Bowl selection, he elevated his tier of fifth-year option. There are tiers of fifth-year options when these things come through. You have your basic tier. You have your tier one, tier two, tier three. There's multiple tiers here for these players to potentially have uh, their options picked up. And it basically, they're performance accelerators, right? So the basic tier is just essentially you were drafted in the first round. You were on the roster. Here's how much money uh, your option is worth. Next, you have play time. So you played X amount of snaps. It's like 75% of snaps the first year first three years 50 percent total for the life of your contract so far there's a couple of stipulations tier three is any player who has at least one pro bowl selection so that is where chase young qualifies right and what's interesting is that tier three number was 17.452 million dollars for chase young and again if we go back every day or as you go back through the conversations we've had about chase young and whether or not the team should or would uh, exercise his option, it was always about the money, right? This is a business decision and how much that $17.452 million really meant uh, and the impact of making that decision. Without that Pro Bowl, Chase Young has not played enough snaps to qualify for Tier 2 or Tier 1. And he actually would only qualify for the basic level of fifth year option now being the number two overall pick being a first round draft pick in general that basic tier is still 12.141 million dollars but you're talking a difference of 5.3 million dollars so the basic option that chase young would have qualified for if he hadn't made the pro bowl in his rookie season would have made chase young the 18th highest paid defensive end in the nfl this year when you according to annual average value of the contract but the tier three option would have made him the sixth highest paid defensive end. That's a difference of 12 spots. There's 12 defensive ends and annual average value that he would have leapfrogged because of that one Pro Bowl appearance in his rookie season, which, I mean, it's not that long ago, but right now in terms of football life, it seems like a lot long uh, or a lot of time has passed right now. I can't guarantee you that this difference in $5.3 million would have been enough to change Ron Rivera's mind and the commander's mind and whether or not to pick up the option. But I think we can all agree that a $5 million savings in this decision makes the conversation a little bit tighter, right? Given the inflation of deals and how they work in the NFL for agency scene, an option like that, that makes young the 18th highest paid defensive end next year right now, likely actually puts him in the 20 to 22nd ranked range uh, when new deals next year or re-signings this year come into play. And that, you know, that salary ceiling uh, inevitably kind of gets inflated. So by the time he steps on the field in 2024, under that fifth year option number, he's probably a top 20, top 25 paid defensive end, not top 20 uh, paid defensive end. So the problem is without that rookie season, right, without that rookie season, without the rookie of the year, without the Pro Bowl, is $12 million going to be justified too. So it's kind of a gift and a curse solve one problem, create another problem, right? We, we drop the, the, the fifth year option number down $5.3 million. Well, we also take away the rookie of the year campaign. We also take away the pro bowl campaign. 
and so we might just create another problem where not only do uh, the commanders not justify the 12 million, but maybe they do what they what the Detroit Lions do with Jeff Okuda and they trade him for a fifth round pick. Now, of course, Chase Young has the opportunity this year, you know, to prove to the Washington Commanders uh, that he is worth a long term investment. And instead of playing on a fifth year option next year, which a lot of guys don't even want to do, if you look at the Devin White situation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's upset because he doesn't want to play on a one year, fifth year option uh, contract. He wants a deal. So Chase Young potentially could turn this struggle and turn this this negativity into positivity by having a good season going out there and earning uh, a contract extension so it, that got me thinking about wanting to see what happened to some of last year's uh declined fifth year option so last year 2019 uh the nfl 2019 nfl draft class their first round picks had their fifth year option decisions made and the top defensive player who had his option declined was the 2019 fourth overall pick defensive end Cleveland Farrell, uh, who had his option to climb by the Las Vegas Raiders last year. He responded uh, with a season performance of two sacks, 26 tackles, three of those were losses, and eventually signed a one-year $2.5 million contract with the San Francisco 49ers this offseason. Linebacker Devin Bush also had his option to climb this time by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he turned in his second highest tackle total, right? Not really asked to rush the passer a whole lot, but he's more of a, a pass defender, run blocker, or a run tackler, run stopper uh, type of player. That wasn't enough for the Steelers. He eventually signed a one-year, $3.5 million contract with the Seattle Seahawks. Safety Jonathan Abram had his option declined by the Raiders and then eventually spent time with Vegas, Green Bay, and Seattle last year and then signed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints this offseason worth $1.16 million. And, you know, so... The history kind of says that players that have their fifth-year option declined, especially on defense, don't typically rebound very well, and they end up playing elsewhere. Chase Young doesn't have to fit that mold. We'll see what he does this season, and and everybody I think is is hopeful that he'll he'll play well uh, and earn a contract with this team, not with Seattle or San Francisco or somebody else. Uh, but this year was particularly rough on fifth-year options, so it's not just Chase Young that's having his option declined. Uh, Young is the highest drafted player in this year's class to have his option declined, but number three overall pick Jeff Okuda, the quarterback we just talked about a little bit ago, uh, was traded to the Atlanta Falcons because Detroit agreed to pay part of his 2023 salary for the Falcons. His fifth year option cannot be exercised, so he they don't have the choice there, but pretty safe to say it wasn't getting exercised anyway, right? Two more top 10 picks from 2020 also had their options declined. Linebacker Isaiah Simmons. The Arizona Cardinals and cornerback CJ Henderson from the Carolina Panthers, originally drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, traded to the Carolina Panthers. But because of those stipulations, the Panthers still had the right to exercise his fifth year option. They decided to decline that. 11 more 2020 first round picks had their options declined, making 15 of the 32 picks either players declined or players no longer with the original team that drafted them. Packers quarterback Jordan Love also doesn't have his fifth-year option exercise because he signed an extension. So, obviously, the fifth-year option is unnecessary. So, that's a positive, not a negative, uh, but not a good year. Not a banner year for the for first-round picks, uh, getting their options exercised and declined. So, Chase Young's certainly not alone in that boat, and we'll see, obviously, this coming season what Chase can turn that negativity into, how he harnesses that energy and moves forward. The commanders are hoping that he's going to move forward well and prove to them again that he is part of the future of this team. Which tier of team building do the commanders currently reside in? That's coming up next on today's episode 
of Locked On Commanders. All right, guys, our final segment of today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Again, we've got a mailbag episode coming on Tuesday. So drop your questions in the live chat or the comment section. Email me, hit me on Twitter, or text me on subtext, and we'll get as many as we can on Tuesday. Now, we just talked about Chase Young's fifth-year option, uh, kind of expanded on that a little bit. That conversation was inspired by the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes. Kyle and Joe talked about that. They also, however, recently had a breakdown of all 32 NFL franchises, and they broke them down into tiers by which stage that they're currently in as it applies to franchise building. And the categories they used uh, to separate all 32 NFL teams were the long-term contenders, the teams that were in the phase of franchise building that will make them playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders for years and years to come. Uh, They also have the win-now franchises, teams that are more built to win today and try to make a push in the near term versus having kind of the established long-term talent on their roster. The young contenders, teams that have some potential, some promise, but just quite aren't quite there yet, need a few more pieces or at least need a few more years of experience to really kind of solidify themselves. Teams in transition, teams that kind of don't know where or know where they want to go but aren't there yet and are kind of working towards getting to uh, that spot. Some of these teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to get back to where they were uh, versus, you know, trying to get there for the first time. And then teams that are rebuilding, teams that are just kind of in this process of trying to put together a competitive roster uh, and make sure that their franchise is respectable. They had another tier directionless franchise, which is pretty, pretty rough. They did not put any teams in that category. So where do the Washington commanders sit in those tiers? Well, Joe and Kyle put them in the win now franchise tier. And it was interesting because in their conversation, they actually kind of went back and forth. They're like, well, it could be a team in transition because the new ownership group is coming in. You got a young quarterback, but they also could be a young contender team. Uh, You know, you got young players like Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin is still relatively young. Obviously, Sam Howell is young uh, as well. You know, but they also put him in the win now franchise. And the reason they put him in the win now franchise category is because of that ownership transition. Again, so the easy answer probably would have been team in transition, right? But because of this ownership transition, Coach Ron Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew are very much in a win now scenario. They really are in a have to win, or you could almost create a new tier and say must win uh, tier of franchise building scenario. And, and Kyle and Joe are honestly like a lot of other people and really amazed that this team is trying to do this thing with a fifth round quarterback in his second season. And Sam Howell, who has one career start, I can't tell you guys how many times I'll have a conversation with another media member or I'll just encounter a sports fan uh, who is a fan of a different team. And they're just blown away by the fact that the Washington Commanders are about to give Sam Howell a fifth, a fifth year draft or a fifth round draft pick from a year ago, the opportunity to lead this franchise. And, you know, I try to tell every single one of them, look, you know, if you if you saw Sam. From, from the time he got to Washington, interact with him, see him. You know, we don't see everything at practice, obviously, as media members, but the team talks about what they saw in practice. The quarterbacks talked about him. The other players talked about him. And then you do. You see the way that translated into that final game uh, against the Dallas Cowboys last year. And you also remember that this team essentially had a second-round draft grade on Sam Howell. Like, they waited to the fifth round to draft this guy because they didn't want to offend their new quarterback, Carson Wentz, because they had seen what happened when the Eagles went down that road, right? So 
when you put all these things together, it's really not that hard to understand. I think Commanders fans understand it, I think. you know, And I know not every Commanders fan is, is excited to see Sam Howell start this season, as some are, but I think everybody at least kind of understands where the team uh, is kind of coming from. So it's interesting. But that that part of this, this whole scenario actually got me thinking about a different question, which is, is this really just a new way for Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew to play the same old song that we see coaching staffs and front offices go through and trying to tag themselves to a young quarterback in hopes of saving their job, right? And I think the most recent scenario we can look at is the Chicago Bears. And you saw Matt Nagy and his general manager in Chicago very much on the hot seat. Everybody was speculating that basically they were probably going to get fired at the end of the season or maybe even during the season. And what do they do? They go draft a first-round quarterback in Justin Fields out of Ohio State. And I remember when that pick came down, uh, I was I was talking with a media member who covers the Chicago Bears, very in tune with the Chicago Bears, and they told me Justin Fields doesn't fit what the Chicago Bears offense wants to do. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. And basically what the perception was is that here was a coaching a coach and a general manager trying to draft a young quarterback in the first round, make that first-round commitment so that they could then turn around to the ownership at the end of the season with their jobs on the line and either say, look at the promise that we got from this guy, we can build on that and try to convince the ownership to keep him around that way. Or even if they struggle, say, look, here's, you know, now we have a plan. Now we have a lesson da, 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 basically try to buy themselves more time. It's not the first time, right? The Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, weren't the first ones to pull this. They're not going to be the last ones to pull this. And you almost kind of wonder, is this kind of what Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew are doing? Not that they don't believe in, in Sam Howell, right? I want to make sure that's very, very clear. But it's kind of an added bonus of, yeah, this is the tried and I don't want to say true, but tried and sometimes successful method of, hey, let's put a young quarterback in. Let's show some potential from a team standpoint. And then at the end of the year, when Josh Harris's group, assumedly, uh, assume we assume, is going to be the ownership group of the Washington Commanders, if I'm Ron Rivera, if I'm Martin Mayhew, and go back to them and say, hey, guys, look, we had Sam Howell in here his first year as a starter full time. And look, we won eight or nine games and you know we either made or we're close to win making the playoffs did all this did all that there's a lot of potential there if we continue building on it we've really got something here it could be and it actually could be a two for one effort because if sam doesn't work out right and knock on wood that's not the case but if sam how doesn't work out you're on rivera you go back to the ownership group say hey look look at all the pieces we put around here let us install a quarterback in the first round this year and let's see where this thing goes and maybe try to buy yourself a year there. So it's it's interesting. Again, I don't know that that's like the intent, right? I don't, I'm not here saying that that's kind of the intention. That's why Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew were like, you know what? Let's not pursue a veteran. Let's just go with Sam uh, and see if this, this thing works and, and all that stuff. I just think it, it might be a little bit of an added bonus. So interesting for Joe and Kyle to call the Washington Commanders a win now franchise. And yeah, a little bit of back and forth uh, in that conversation. For what it's worth, uh, Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles were both landed in the long-term contender category, while the New York Giants were placed in the young contender uh, category of uh, these these tiers. So, uh, it's food for thought, uh, a big a big episode of kind of expanding on thoughts and kind of expanding on what something might mean um, here to start off the week. Moving forward, we will have hopefully some more news, but we're building up to rookie minicamps. So we will continue diving in to the rookie tape. I will bring you my observations from what I got to see uh, in their games and their collegiate games, what I think, how I think that will translate to the NFL, more specifically the Washington Commanders. And we will continue setting out our readjusted depth chart 
for your 2023 Washington Commanders. In the meantime, I want to thank you again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen today or every day. And my every day is, again, Tuesday afternoon is the next episode. It is live. Uh, again, planning on going live at 11 o'clock in, in the afternoon, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time with that live mailbag episode. Already got some questions stashed away, stored, but if you have more that you want to add to the pile, send them in here in the live chat, here in the comment section, or you can email them to LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Hit me on Twitter at dharrison82 or text me anytime at 202-760-2644 via subtext. Signing off for today, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders, and more importantly, hanging out with you today and every day. Till we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and we'll see you right back here next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day.